Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Years ago, as I was getting to know my sweet friend, American Tibetan Buddhist Lama Suryadas, he invited me to his house to meditate. We went upstairs and sat down together in what was once a walk-in closet. A large selection of pillows and benches was stacked against the wall. We chose our seats and settled in together. I closed my eyes, half-masked, found my breath, and dropped into the deep, spacious place of meditation. The silence was perfect until it wasn't. Suddenly, Lama Surya began chanting that full-bellied, basso profundo sound that to my non-Tibetan ears sounds like a cross between a groan and the growl of a grizzly bear. And it was loud, really, really loud. I was expecting silence. What I got was prayer and lots of it. I imagined us as a cartoon and the joke was on me. Later, he explained that he was calling in the ancestors, praising and thanking them and invoking their aid. I, who hadn't given a thought to my ancestors or a higher power, was both chagrined and intrigued. I began adding metta, the Buddhist loving kindness intentions, to my long, silent practice. Metta, which fits the definition of prayer, serves to remind me that my hands resting in my lap are in the hold the earth mudra. May all beings be well. May I, may you, may everyone be at ease. May we have the courage and the strength to do what should be done, what must be done. May all beings be peaceful and live in peace. Those words are endlessly mutable. The point is to open our hearts to the world and then, then to sit quietly letting the ragged edges of our lives be worn smooth. For many, many years, I was allergic to prayer. It would make my skin crawl when people would tell me they would pray for me, probably because right behind their decidedly inauthentic and dripping with irony, bless your heart, 
was the unspoken, you lost soul. I was also very much aware of what felt to me like the shallowness of foxhole conversions, as in there are no atheists in foxholes. Foxholes was originally a name combat soldiers used for the places they hid from the enemy. Foxhole conversions conveniently occurred between a rock and a hard place. Turns out that's not even true. And yet it was in fact tragedy that first inclined my heart to prayer. I was serving as the assistant minister to our congregation in Brewster, Massachusetts, when Maya Clement Schreiner, an impish redheaded five-year-old in my Sunday school, was killed on her first day of morning kindergarten when she was struck by the school bus. Her mother, Diane, was standing in the kitchen window of their home in Marston's Mills, holding baby Ian, watching. Sitting with Diane, pacing with her, I have never felt so hopeless. Her eyes were mad with grief. Over and over, she asked me, did you see it? No, I answered, tell me. And she would tell me the story again and again and again. That first night, David stood under the stars in the field across the street, calling to his lost child. I left and drove down the long spine of the Cape to spend the night at home and try to get some sleep for the facing of the days and days and days to come. Vaguely, I saw the huge flag at the Burger King on Route 6 lowered to half-mast. The whole world is grieving for Maya, I thought. Suddenly exhausted, I didn't trust myself to drive. Pulling off in Hyannis, I saw more flags. I went into a bar and ordered a cup of tea. And there on the television screen was the Challenger space shuttle exploding. Not a science fiction movie, but a replay of more unthinkable news from earlier that day. Again and again, it lifted off. Again and again, it exploded. Everyone, everyone was dead. On January 28, 1986, my world shifted on its axis. Even the death of my beloved grandfather six months before had not prepared me for the magnitude of the loss I felt. And very quickly, it became apparent to me that I would need a better God or lose God altogether. We had best talk. What I found in the ensuing conversation, and it does feel like a conversation, begun then and to this date ongoing, 
is that prayer made me feel just a little less empty-handed. When there was nothing else left to do, I could pray. I prayed not, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. But to whom it may concern, here I am. I want to help. I need to help. I need help. And I'm grateful. Or I'm trying to be. And sometimes I'm amazed. Our own Reverend Joanna Lubkin loved Anne Lamott's book, Help, Thanks, Wow, The Three Essential Prayers. And she added one more, the four essential prayers she says are help, thanks, wow, and oops. Anne Lamott is a devout Christian. She writes, you may in fact be wondering by what I even mean when I use the word prayer. It's certainly not what TV Christians mean. It is not for display purposes like plastic sushi or neon. Prayer is private, even when we pray with others. It is communication from the heart to that which surpasses understanding. Let's not get bogged down on to whom or what we pray, she says. Let's just say prayer is communication from our hearts to the great mystery, to the animating energy of love we are sometimes bold enough to believe in, to something unimaginably big and not us. And what does that look like? A reporter once asked the sainted Mother Teresa of Calcutta what she says to God when she prays. I don't say anything, she replied. I just listen. The reporter asked her what God says to her. He doesn't say anything, she said. He just listens. And if you don't understand that, she concluded, I can't explain it to you. (laughs) And here is the heart of it all. British writer and Anglican lay theologian C.S. Lewis wrote, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping, It doesn't change God, it changes me. Mother Teresa said it, I used to believe that prayer changes things, but now I know that prayer changes us, and we change things. That's a lot to ask, and just right. I pray to be changed and to be an agent of change. This is a beautiful story about Reverend Fred McFeely Rogers, the American children's television host and Presbyterian minister, better known as Mr. Rogers. 
A 14-year-old boy who had been born with debilitating cerebral palsy and a very active mind communicated using a computer. He was abjectly miserable, though he loved watching Mr. Neighbors, Robert, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. The boy's mother sometimes felt that Mr. Rogers was keeping her son alive and wanted him to meet his idol. They lived in California too far from the television studio in Pittsburgh. But one day she learned that Mr. Rogers was coming to visit Coco the Gorilla, who lived at the Gorilla Foundation's preserve in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Mr. Rogers readily agreed that after he visited with Coco, he would come to meet the boy. Journalist Tom Janot, who was covering the occasion, remembers that when he met the boy, the boy was so overcome he had to leave the room. When he returned, Mr. Rogers simply picked up their conversation where it had left off. And as their visit ended, Mr. Rogers said, I would like you to do something for me. Would you do something for me? And on his computer, the boy answered, yes, of course he would do anything for Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers said, I would like you to pray for me. Would you pray for me? Later, Tom Janot complimented Mr. Rogers on being so smart to ask someone with physical challenges who was so often told he was being prayed for to pray for him and for knowing that asking the boy for his prayers would make the boy feel better about himself. Mr. Rogers was surprised. Oh, heavens no, Tom, he said. I didn't ask him for his prayers for his sake. I asked for me. I asked him because I think that anyone who has gone through challenges like that must be very close to God. I asked him because I wanted his intercession. When my old good trouble friend, Alex Kuzma, the Ukrainian director of the Yale Russian Chorus, reminded me after their benefit concert here last week that um, when a group of us was arrested for civil disobedience at the launch of a Trident nuclear submarine, Dutch Catholic priest and writer Father Henry Nouwen stood outside the jail for hours singing so loudly we could hear him inside. What I remember was the exultant chant, Jubilate Deo, over and over and over again. The Latin translates, Oh, be joyful in the Almighty, all ye lands. Serve the divine with gladness and come before God's presence with a song. I didn't know then that Henry was praying for us. I did know that we felt uplifted and upheld, and we were not afraid. Over time, I began to experience the ways in which prayer was changing me, as well as the ways it was changing those for whom and with whom I prayed. I found that it brought us together, one intention, one heart. 
I learned to try not to pray for outcomes I thought might be best, but for surrender and acceptance. I learned to pray to change my mind and for a change of heart. Some 50 years ago, Father Nowen wrote a beautiful little book called With Open Hands, still a classic reflection on prayer. American author Sue Monk Kidd, who discovered Henry's book at the age of 29, wrote the introduction. To be perfectly honest, she said, I've come to think of prayer as a fairly boring mental activity, the recitation of predictable words. I was clueless about the passionate landscape of the interior life about the deep and forgotten art of tending the soul and transforming the mind and heart, the very stuff of prayer. I found unexpected sentences in Nowen's book, she continues. When you want to pray, he writes, the first question is, how do I open my closed hands? Was he suggesting that prayer was about opening something clenched and frightened in the human spirit? He wrote that prayer created an openness in which God is given to us. This struck me as a remarkable assertion. If such a portal for the divine could be created, then shouldn't we humans do everything possible to enter it? Would such a space lead to the root of the soul where one might find a vast and hidden wholeness? Prayer is an invitation to return to our deep heart's core. When life seems most hazardous and unembraceable, Prayer offers the mystery of hope in a world given to despair. Anne Lamott writes, someone has a baby or pulls a trigger or snatches the money or picks up the drink or doesn't pick up the drink or makes it to the shore and everything sorts itself out or falls apart and through it we pray, help, help, help. Thank you. Wow. Amen. Life is motion, change, stagnation, bloom. Nothing ever seems to happen or awful stuff happens or beautiful stuff happens. And we say, amen. I'll close now with my very favorite story of prayer. Just this. An anonymous Tibetan nun was arrested jailed in solitary confinement and tortured by the Chinese government. When miraculously she was released, a reporter gained access to her under conditions of anonymity and asked her two questions. What was the worst part of this experience for you? My biggest fear is that I would lose compassion for my jailers. How did you survive? I survived because at every moment, I knew that somewhere, 
someone was saying metta, the loving-kindness intentions. I survived because someone was praying for me. Beloved spiritual companions, prayer changes us and we change things. How do I open my closed hands? Help, thanks, wow, oops. Here I am, I want to help, I need help. And I'm grateful or I'm trying to be. And sometimes I'm amazed. Let us pray. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in namaste. I bow to the divine in you. The words of W.E.B. Du Bois, co-founder of the NAACP and the first African-American to earn a doctorate from Harvard, The prayer of our souls is a petition for persistence, not for the one good deed or single thought, but deed upon deed and thought upon thought until day calling unto day shall make a life worth living. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen. visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.